Hello, hello, everyone. I hope you all are having a wonderful evening. Welcome to No Sleep this afternoon. We have been off for the last week for the Martin Luther King holiday, but we are back tonight to talk about millennials and reading. So, reading up on this topic, I've seen that millennials are reading now more than they ever or more than any previous generation has. And a lot of that is mostly due to the fact that we're always looking down at our phones. But we also all seem to share or most seem to share a love for reading. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit about some of our favorite books. Um, we have Norvell with us tonight. Are you here, Norvell? <laughs> yep. Hey, hey. What's going on? <laughs> And I don't think Megan's on yet. I think she'll be joining us a little later. But um, how about we start with you, Norvell? How about you tell us, tell us, what do you think? What is What do you think about millennials and how we read now? Do you think it's all in our phones? Do you think we're into books now more than ever? What do you think has millennials doing all this reading? I think that was actually kind of surprising, that information. If you'd ask me from my perspective, I would think it was the opposite, that millennials don't read much. I know a lot of people that, that read a lot, but I would think that they were the exception and not the rule. So I was I was fairly surprised by that. Myself, I've kind of, you know, forced myself to start reading more. I can't lie and say that, you know, since a kid, I was like such a good reader, you know, and I just enjoyed it. It just brought me so much joy. I was always very particular about what I read, like when I was young, I used to read a lot of Goosebumps books, and that was like my thing for a while. But as I got older, you know, I never really got into reading anything else. Um, recently, maybe like the past five years or so, I started reading, you know, from educational standpoint, just trying to, you know, load up as much knowledge as I can. As I can. So I'm always trying to get new books or read something, you know, but I don't do a lot of reading for fun, which is kind of weird. Um, not, you know, just reading up on this topic, I was thinking that's something I should start doing, start reading more, you know, fantasy novels and things like that. Because uh, a lot of the great movies that I like are based on, like, books. So mm -hmm. it's kind of weird that, you know, we'd rather watch a movie or a television show that's based on a book than actually read it. So that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, when I was younger... I, well, when I when I was a kid, I loved reading. I loved reading just anything I could find. My aunt that lives in Palm Bluff, she had like a little, small little section of children's books for me. So whenever I would come over to her house, I would always leave with a different book. And then once my parents noticed that I liked reading so much, they got me a monthly subscription to like these little dollar book clubs that they had back in the early 90s. <laughs> where you could get like 10 books a month for a dollar. And so I would finish those books as soon as I got them. And I just, I, I loved reading. I love reading books from all different cultures, all different types of books. I love learning new things. I loved just where it allowed, how it allowed me to escape. And like you said, as I got older, like I didn't, I didn't really keep that same thing. It's like reading became more of a chore 
because of school. And so once reading became a chore and something that I had to do because I had to pass a class or I had to take a test, I didn't think about, oh, I can still find joy in doing these things. But we did have a teacher in my elementary school who would read the Harry Potter books to us when they came out. And so just having someone to introduce me back into that world of fantasy again was really cool. And then growing up later and seeing the movies and seeing like, oh, they left so much out of those movies because they didn't stick to the books. And like you said, we'll rather see the movie, but if you've ever read the books, like when I did get older and finally did get into fantasy, I read the Hunger Games trilogy in like six days, the whole trilogy. And when the movies came out, I was disappointed <laughs> because there was so much left out and my imagination made it so much bigger than what I saw on the screen as opposed to what I read in those books. And so reading for me, it's been a journey. Like I just recently got back into fantasy post Hunger Games series. That might have been maybe six years ago, the last time I was really into fantasy. And I've gotten into Afrofuturism recently. And so that in and of itself, just finding out that there are these black authors out there who've written all of this cool sci-fi content has just been very interesting and wonderful to explore. So that's like, I'm still on my reading journey, being a grad school, uh, being a grad school student, <laughs> reading is still very much a chore for me, maybe have like 70 to 100 pages a night for every class, as if, you know, <laughs> we only have one class. But yeah, reading, reading has always, like I can see in my life where reading has definitely made an impact. But again, touching on something else that you said, I was surprised to see that people were reading more now in our generation because it seems like we're very misinformed about a lot of things. So it kind of goes say that even though we may be reading, what are we reading? You know, we're just reading memes all day. There's no real content in that. We're not really absorbing anything from what we're reading. And I think we have Megan on now. Hi, guys. Hey. <laughs> Talking about reading. Yes, we are. So <laughs> tell us your thoughts about how you think millennials are or have become more avid readers than previous generations? So I definitely am on that, um, like, I guess podcasts aren't really reading, but information overload. Um, I've definitely been more intentional about reading because when I was an undergrad, I didn't read any books outside of class um, and then after I graduated I really wanted to get back into that but I feel like I read or I try to read physically read more than listening to audiobooks because I think I heard the last bit of your 
um, point, Chandrea, of um, that we're reading, but we're not like intentionally absorbing the information. We're just kind of, re- you know, reading or listening to do it. Mm-hmm. So I've uh, definitely set a goal of like how many books I'd like to read and how many I really only want to listen to on Audible because I do find myself thinking, oh, I'm going to listen. And then when I'm driving, I'm not actually intentionally listening to what it's saying. So I feel pain, but I hope more millennials are reading because I feel like that's something that's getting lost, but maybe not. I feel like when it comes to reading, like your brain is like a muscle. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. the more I read, the easier it gets to focus but, like, if I'm really out of rhythm and haven't read, like, you know, for a, a while, you know, I'll read, like, a few pages, and then my eyes start getting heavy, and I feel like a six-year-old, you know. So <laughs> I think you really have to continue reading to get that muscle, that brain juice flowing, you know, so that you can focus longer. And I think it's it's really uh, impressive if somebody can, like, take in a bunch of information, actually read something, you know, intentionally versus, you know, I can read 100 pages and not grasp any of anything that I've read. It's like, I don't know, reading mm-hmm. on autopilot. And mm-hmm. I'll realize, like, hey, you know, I didn't, you know, take in any of the last 10 pages I just read and let me go back and start over. So reading intentionally is, is very, very important. Yeah, I definitely agree, agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah also, like, just... I'll go ahead, oh, Sorry, Sean. Um, I've also, I know this is maybe more about books, but, uh, I've tried to incorporate reading the newspaper more, which sounds so silly since our generation is such a technologically focused, uh, group, but that's where how, like, I feel like I'm more intentional if I'm physically holding, you know, the paper Mm -hmm. and it's kind of, it's so sad since that's what our grandparents grew up with. And like, that's the only way they got the news sometimes. And (laughs) now it's becoming like a fate, a fad again, but I try and do that at least once a week. So then I set aside my time and, you know, read through it instead of looking at a computer to only get my news that I, you know, read from different publications. Mm Mm-hmm. But I definitely agree with both of you on reading intentionally. After being out of college for a few years, after having my daughter, I like it took me forever to figure out how I was going to go into a college setting and understand the material that I was going to have to read. And so I found like the biggest book I could find, which was <laughs> Victor Hugo's Lay Les Mis. <laughs> and <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Historical fiction was my first choice of how I'm going to figure out how to read for college. And when I tell you the first 150 pages of that book were just him setting the scene, not even telling the story yet, but just saying, a garden was here at some point in time, and now that garden isn't there anymore. Here is a road <laughs> by a house. 
but by the time I got into the story, all of that made sense because I knew where everything was. And, like, it made mm-hmm. the story so much more beautiful because I knew the exact garden that he was talking about. I knew the bedroom that the Abby slept in. Like, I, I understood the entire setting. And so when I went to college, like, a couple of months later and I got into an anthropology program, which... That material is so dense, <laughs> and it's just like mm-hmm. every, most of the things that you're going to read are like those first 150 pages. They're just telling you, <laughs> yeah, here's something over here, and that's over there. And you're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> and you just have to suffer through all of that stuff. So if I wouldn't have intentionally prepared myself, like made myself go through all those pages, because I could have just skipped that. I could have easily just been like, I don't want to read that. I'm going to just go straight into the story. But I made sure that I did that because I knew that if I didn't do that, I would be missing a key part of the story. And mm-hmm. so you also, you, you all are also brought up, like, intentionally physically reading something and as opposed to maybe listening to an audio book. And then, Megan, I don't think it's sad at all that you want to read a newspaper. I would, I love <laughs> reading newspapers. <laughs> I love newspapers. I love physical magazines. They're like, do you want the online subscription? No, no, I don't. Send it in send the mail. Send me in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Using all of these old-fashioned forms. I am down for that. that. But that's the only time I promote uh, printing and wasting trees is when I can write. <laughs> but I just wanted to throw the question out there: like, what will make you read a physical book as opposed to listening to an audio book? Like, what what draws you to one or the other? Hmm. That's a good question. I guess for me, I don't listen. So I like to read a lot of nonfiction. I'm one of those people that's like, if I'm reading something, I want to learn something. So I don't read a lot of fiction, Mm -hmm. but I don't listen to a lot of fact-based or like heavy, dense um, nonfiction books on audio just because it's so easy to tune out. So I listen to a lot Mm -hmm. of like memoirs on audio, like Michelle Obama's book and Mm -hmm. Amy Poehler and Anna Kendrick, like all of their books. And then I'll physically Mm -hmm. read more um, historical nonfiction type genres. Yeah, I'm the same way. I was the attention span of like a three-year-old. So (laughs) <laughs> if I if I listen to something, it's so easy for me to like tune out, especially when I'm driving. So I like to have like a hard copy, and it's it's hard for me. I like actually physically having a paper in my hand versus like a Kindle, because I have a Kindle as well, and tons of books on my Kindle. But it's just something about turning the actual pages and seeing your progress versus mm-hmm. on a Kindle. You know, it's, it feels like it's never ending. You know. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I'd rather have a physical book, so I'll kind of lean towards buying actual books versus uh, e-copies. Yeah, I definitely yeah. I hate reading on screens. It it hurts my head. I don't feel like I'm really reading or absorbing the knowledge because, to me, the screen just it's not as real to me if it's just on a computer screen, and it's easier for me 
to discount something that I see on the computer because most of the time I'm looking at a screen. It's like social media or something. So it's like having that physical book as opposed to having to read like an like an ebook online or like the articles that we get for class, like downloaded in a PDF or something like that. Like having mm-hmm. a physical copy makes it more real to me. And like being able to physically go in and highlight and write in the margins of something, like that helps my thinking process. It helps me to absorb the knowledge better. And I don't know, it's just, for me, it just works easier. And same thing with audiobooks, as you said, Megan. For Michelle Obama's book, I didn't want to read that to myself. I wanted her to read that mm-hmm. to me. That was her yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, it's great when they, the author, the you know, re, or records the book that they wrote because then you get to hear how they wanted to tell it. Right. I um, did have one problem with her book. And then I later heard it happened in Kamala Harris's book, too. But when they pronounced apartheid, they pronounced the T-H and called it apartheid. And I, it just made me cringe hearing that because I've never heard it pronounced like that. Huh. I've never heard that either. That's odd. And I've listened to, um, I, I, I was so pretty about it, I went back and listened to other people pronounce apartheid to make sure it wasn't just me. <laughs> That's odd. I get, huh, I wonder why they didn't fix that. Yeah, it's yeah, that or something. Another reason I like physical books is because I didn't think about this until someone pointed it out to me in a bookstore that, um, I mean, since Amazon is taking, or, you know, is the main auto, audio book uh, company, or big one, that it puts bookstores out of business. And so uh. I, always, I always like to think, like, okay, if I'm reading a physical book, I'm also providing to someone more direct, or more in a more direct way, like, their livelihood, because so many people mm-hmm. buy books through Amazon and so I try and also go through a bookstore when I can not right now since I'm a poor student but um, (laughs) normally I try and like buy local so at least it supports them instead of always buying on Amazon Mm -hmm. well you know our library bookstore has books for like a dollar three dollars the bookstore right around the corner I go there and buy my low budget books all the time (laughs) and I'm learning to uh uh-huh and they have like they usually they change out stuff a lot and they always have new material in like different sections and then it's like a couple of other well I, I know at least one other used bookstore around town it's called the bookworm and they have very reasonable prices and it's you you can still you can still book shop on a budget on a budget on a budget. That's good to know. But yeah, the I difference love when you're splurging on books versus mm-hmm. like something else. I feel like you can't get yelled at for splurging on books. Like I'm reading. <laughs> yeah, <Right>. I do. <laughs> I agree. So. There is an episode of the Marie Kondo show where (laughs) she says you should keep 
less than 30 books in the house. How do you feel about that and why? (laughs) Go ahead, Norvell. That's actually kind of weird. I'm trying to amass as many books as I can. I want to have somebody tell me. I don't know if I read it somewhere or if uh, somebody told me directly, but they said, like, all of the big houses have big libraries. So I want to have a big library. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm collecting books. <laughs> That's another reason I buy hard copies because I, I want to keep them. And if you think of, like, e-books, you know, like, my Kindle, the software is already, like, extremely outdated. It's, it's pretty much a paperweight mm-hmm. it's a piece of junk. And if I would have bought right. those things, like actual copies, I would still have the books. So um, I, I disagree with that. I think people should collect books and pass them down or, you know, share the books with people. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm trying to, when I'm 90, I want to have every book I've ever read so I can, I don't know, if someone asks me, I can tell them about it. Or like you said, pass it along. I've definitely done that before where uh, I use a website called Goodreads, which mm-hmm. is just how I how I track all of the books. And so I follow some of my friends, and when I see that they want to read a book I've read, I've sent it to them. So, yeah, physical copy over electronic is, I feel like, 99% of the time always – better (laughs) yeah I couldn't imagine like having to get rid of books that's just like when I think less than 30 books I think 30 books per subject like you that that has to be what you (laughs) mean and I just want to be the old lady that like has like a a used bookstore and whenever you come wandering in I have a story to tell you about a book Mm -hmm. I want to be that lady (laughs) yeah all right so I'll go ahead Megan no, I completely agree with you. That's my my dream retirement job. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to go to a quick break. But if you would like to call in, the call-in number is 917-889-8078. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag one million strong. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of Electrosynth Pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. Uh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of we were... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. 
My savings are gone. Okay, where were they last? Here, right before I spent them on that vacation to Aruba. Weird. Not weird. Not saving now means no money later. For free ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Dave, what are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck as a gift to Dave2037, so he can spend it on things like anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman, something cool like that. I think Dave2037 deserves it. He worked hard. What are you getting Steve2037? I guess I was thinking Steve2037 would just fend for himself. Well, all right, but don't expect to be borrowing my anti-gravity boots. You want to have money in your future? You got to start saving now. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Hey, let's just hope Steve2037 doesn't get his hands on a cold time machine because he is going to come back here and knock some sense into you. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel, and a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. The CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are a strong advocate for life empowerment, like empowering a generation that has been grossly misunderstood and disparaged to shatter the misconceptions about them. No Sleep was created to give millennials a platform to express themselves and let the world know who they really are and what they believe, their values, interests, fears, and more. This is a diverse group gender-wise and racially that we are very, very proud of. We invite you to tune in, whether you are a millennial or not, and learn from these outstanding young people. Listen every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 7 o'clock p.m. Central for No Sleep, Shattering Millennial Misconceptions. Listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. All right, welcome back. We are continuing our conversation on millennials and reading. And again, that call in number is 917. 917- And now I want to move into how books have impacted us or what books in particular have had the biggest impact on us. I know recently for me, I was very late to the game in discovering The Alchemist as as a novel. And 
just reading that story in a dark time of my life where I was still trying to figure out who I was and what I was going to do with my life and reading about this shepherd who went through all of these trials in his life before he got to his ultimate treasure, which was just gaining the knowledge of alchemy and understanding the world. And reading a book like that, like in a time like that, is really why I read and to just have all of these different narratives and different stories in my life that have just these great impacts. So what are some of the books that have had the biggest impact on the two of you? Crack at it, I guess. Um, I think a book that had a big impact on me uh, a few years ago, Produced by Faith uh, by Devon Franklin, it was actually a, a gift from a, a young lady. Um, and she said, this book will, you know, help you. And I, I never read it. I didn't read it until, you know, years after she gave it to me. But when I read it, it really, like, gave me direction in my life, uh, you know, really keeping my faith involved as well as far as, like, you know, what's my purpose? I feel like everybody gets to a point, you know, where they're like, what am I doing, you know, kind of why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing in my life, you know? And that book mm-hmm. really helped me you know, bring things back into focus and uh, figure out kind of, you know, how God is the producer of my life, you know, and how he really wants the best for me and and how I can kind of, you know, take a little bit of ownership over that. And it really helped get me back on track and give me a little bit more focus about my future. And uh, I've been kind of a fan of his books ever since. He came out with a book uh, after that called The Weight. Um, And it's a book about he married uh, Megan Good, and uh, they waited, so they were celibate um, until marriage, and they just kind of wrote about the experience and uh, kind of how them introducing delayed gratification into their relationship really kind of fostered mm-hmm. a really good marriage and starting it off right. So, you know, I read that and applied that to um, my courting and um, my, my wife now as well. Uh, and he just came out with another book called The Hollywood Commandments, and um, it's about how to tie, you know, your faith into, you know, kind of the secular world and uh, not really get so hung up on religion, you know, and shying away from, you know, kind of what your God-given purpose is. So I'm a big fan of his. I'm, I buy all of his books because um, I think he has, he's really wise, you know, and uh, I, I really like reading this book. So. Uh, that first book produced by Faith had a really big impact on me. Nice. Mine was, I have two that come to mind that I was like, wow, after I read them. Um, And I read them in 2017. So the first one was Born a Crime by Trevor Noah, because I Mm. love him as a a comedian. And then when Mm -hmm. I read his book, it wasn't, it was kind of funny, but not humorous. Like I thought it was going to be during or throughout the entire book, but that was just interesting because I love him and it was really great that he wrote this like easy to read book about his life in South Africa during the apartheid. And um, I don't know, it was just a, a great book. And then the other one that I read that I was really, 
I'm really proud of myself for finishing because it was really dense, but it was really a great, like, learning and just processing was uh, Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. So I had read that before, like it got really popular too. So I was really proud of myself that I, like, I don't even remember how I found it. I think a friend recommended it to me and I was like, sure. And then, I mean, it, like I said, it was really dense, but she just did so much research and work and mm-hmm. I just thought it was really well written and she makes, I mean, not that the argument needs to be made but it does like she does such a great job of presenting like how um incarceration is you know the new Jim Crow with modifications I don't know it was just a great book and I was so happy that I decided to read it so those were two that I in the last couple years I've definitely like thought back on and was really proud like happy to read okay yeah, I I have I've read both. Well, I, kudos to you, Megan. I have not finished Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow. Oh. I've had that book for a good three, four years now. Yeah, <laughs> and I've recommended it to plenty hard. of other people, but I just haven't finished it myself. Oh, it is. Yeah, it definitely well, is. That's okay. You can take it in strides because I only, oh, yeah. I think the only reason I was able to finish it was because I wasn't working at the time. So I had time to mm-hmm. read. So I don't, I mean, I'm happy for myself, but like it was, right. I had the time. So if you don't have the time, it's definitely harder to, you know, get through it in a month or two. I'm yeah, thinking I it may be one too. of those books. Oh, oh you do? <laughs> I actually have the I have the uh, audio version, and that's the example mm. of one of those books that you know I'm not paying attention for like five minutes, and then I have to like rewind for ten minutes, mm-hmm. and then you know try and take the information in again, and it's like I'm missing so much. I just decided to right. get the, the actual physical copy because so unproductive with the audio version. I'm just gonna give up mm-hmm. on. It. But yeah, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of I was just about to suggest that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, yeah, I was thinking, like, I have the physical copy, and I was thinking, like, maybe I should get the audio book and follow along, and that way I got to hold myself accountable by highlighting <laughs> and paying attention. <laughs> just trying to find a way to get through it, because I feel like I should read that. Like, that just, that's one of those books that I feel like I should have I should have read by now. But there are, there are so many books that I have that are just so dense in the thought of, like, Mm-hmm. Just reading that much material, and then the audiobooks are sometimes like I don't know, thirty six, forty seven hours, sometimes longer than yeah. that. And I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how I the the time, the thought of that amount of time and commitment mm-hmm. to something is just overwhelming. <laughs> You're like, but wow, what? Why do I have thirty six hours? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm trying to do math, trying to figure out how many hours are in a month. <laughs> just <laughs> oh, but yeah, some some books, you know, you just you have to take in strides. And what I've started doing, like I'll find chapters in the book that are relevant to what I'm trying to learn. So if I'm writing and if I'm trying to put together an essay or like a thought piece or something like that. 
I can I know that I have books that have that information in it. I might not read the whole book, but I know like the key chapters in that book that are gonna give me the information that I need. And so that's one thing one way that I've tried to, you know, at least expose myself to the material in those. But I mean, mm-hmm. man, that that's a lot of time and dedication. <laughs> So what have yeah. been like? <laughs> that's a difficult read. So what has been like a really fun read for you? I know you said Trevor Noah's book wasn't as it wasn't as humorous as you <laughs> thought it was gonna be, even though you know with his charm he still managed to <laughs> like make it you know soften his story up a little bit. So mm-hmm. what what are some fun reads for the two of you? Um, I don't. I guess I wouldn't say it was fun. I, I had a lot of fun reading it. Um, this is actually one of the few books that I've read from, like, cover to cover in, like, two days. But uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X was recommended mm-hmm. to me. And uh, I started to read it just for, like, educational, you know, just learning more. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's very well written. And uh, just the amount that I learned, was, it, was, it was just, you know, phenomenal. I read it from cover to cover. It's like when I started reading it, it's it's really a page turner. Like, you, you can't stop once you start. So uh, I had a Which lot of fun. Which version do you book. have? Because I think um, it's like two Malcolm X. It's like one is one, Alex Haley wrote one, and I think somebody else wrote another. Um, I forgot his name. That name doesn't sound familiar, Alex Haley. That, that, that doesn't sound familiar. So, probably the so other you person. have the other one. I don't have okay. it. Okay. Okay. Manny Marable, is that who you have? Manny. Or Manning Marable? I don't know. But I don't know. There's a few, there are this... a few uh, biographies about him, or like a few of his pieces that have been put together. And again, like those are things like I feel like I should have read because I have them. They're just really thick. And I'm like, huh, when am I going to have the time? <laughs> When am I going to have the time to break all of this down? But it's just going to have to be something that I have to commit myself to. And it's not like I can't do it. I'll spend time reading Facebook for hours, just going through comments, trying to be in people's business. I could do that for, like, (laughs) for history. (laughs) Yeah, you can do it. I'm deleting my social media accounts. You can oh, do it. that sounds so hard. And I, I've done that before. <laughs> and then once I got back on, I never got off again. <laughs> I got nice on stuff. everything after that. Got rid of one and gained three. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you all reading uh, now? Ooh, I'm actually trying to read one with outside of school. It's called what's it called um strangers in their own land by arlie russell hawkchild hawkchild i think uh it's about this like really liberal woman that is trying to understand southern conservative values in a like nonpartisan way so she goes into this louisiana town where there's a bunch of industry and things like that. And she just interviews all these people and um, is just trying to understand more of like why conservatives vote a certain way and why, how that ties into religion and 
how industry has, you know, crept up into their lives. And so it's, I haven't gotten all the way through, but it's really interesting because obviously it's kind of relative to what's happening in our political climate. And um, Mm -hmm. I think she just goes about it in a really authentic and non judgy judgmental way and truly trying to understand people that are literally you know completely the opposite of her beliefs and her lifestyle and her upbringing so that's what I'm reading what about you Barbeo so me um my wife is pregnant so I got a bunch of daddy to be books. This will be my first time. Aww. Our first time. <laughs> so I got a bunch of daddy books, and uh, I've been knocking down those. I don't want to read it all at once because I'll like taking all the information and get all confused. So I just read it, you know, based on how far along she is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's insightful, but that's pretty much all I've been reading lately. And that's the Bible, of course, but that's about it. Have anything in the dad book stuck out to you? Like, what has been the most surprising dad factor or shocking dad <laughs> thing you've seen in the book? <laughs> it's just been like a ton of aha moments. So I started kind of late. I bought the books, um, and she's uh, in her second trimester now. And I she was mm-hmm. already, like, in her first trimester, like, experiencing symptoms and everything before I had even started reading. So when I started reading, there's just, like, a bunch of aha moments, like, oh, the book is telling me that will happen. You know, now I understand. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm trying to stay ahead of her so I can get prepared for what's to come. So a bunch of, mm. bunch of aha moments, for sure, about her uh, symptoms and mood and uh, cravings and everything that comes with pregnancy. So, yeah, a bunch of aha yeah. moments. Good for you, Norvell. That's awesome. I know. That is so sweet. My husband better do that when I get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm going to just suddenly leave books don't behind. Do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I know I told you guys earlier, like, I'm trying to get into Afrofuturism now that I know that that's like an actual category. And today, like, after class, I finished a short story book by N.K. Jemison, who's a really popular Afrofuturism author right now. And it was just, like, a book of short stories that are, like, they center around, like, different African and Creole cultures and just race and being in the South and how people, like, you know, just cool vampire cool stories that I wouldn't even think about, like all this different magic and stuff and just woven into blackness and reawakening all of like the things that we lost in transition and seeing all of those brought to those elements brought together in such beautiful stories was so interesting to me. And I'm not even a short story person. I like long books because like you, Norvell, I have the attention span of a three-year-old, and, and as soon as I see something shiny, my mind is gone. <laughs> so, I did not think that a short story book would keep me, you know, interested. And it did take me a while to finish it just because, I mean, school just got started back, and I was planning and getting married. So, like, finding the time to finish that. 
was a lot, but that like being introduced to an author that way and seeing the diversity of her writing in a short story series before I actually get into her novels, which I have also heard were amazing. It's like, I'm, I'm so excited to see what's next. And like, as soon as I get done with this, I'm going to download the fifth season, which is one of her most popular books right now and get more into that. But in the physical, I did that through audiobooks. The physical book that I'm reading right now is an Octavia Butler book called Kindred. And she was um, an award-winning author in the 80s and 90s, black woman who wrote about, but like in novels and stories that, again, were about magic and um what is it, that post-apocalyptic type stuff, and she wrote all these beautiful stories, and so now Kindred, it's about, um, I'm just like in the third or fourth chapter, but it is a black woman, like in present day, who is married, you know, has her own life, but every now and then, she gets sucked back into the past whenever her white ancestor is in danger. So, like, she has an ancestor that's a little white boy who, like, fell in love with her great-grandmother and led to her. So she has to go and save that little boy every time he's in danger. So she first appeared when he was drowning, and I just passed the scene where she had to save him from starting a fire in his house and, Like, she just gets sucked out of her normal everyday life with her husband to go have to save her slave-owning grandfather. So this this is the kind of stuff that I'm reading right now. It's really cool, and just the narrative around it is so cool, and I can't wait to see how it ends. And that's fiction, (laughs) Jandrea, or is it – I mean, it sounds like it's it's based on historical – Okay. Wow, that's intense. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sci-fi and N.K. Jemisin is fantasy, and she does that like she has like I don't know like in her in her one of her short stories, one of the vampires was like she used to be a slave or something, and like then she hunted slave masters and like it it was <laughs> so I was like Dang. I'm just trying to get really deep into these categories because just seeing like. You know, we didn't, we don't really get to, as black people, we didn't really get to see our authors highlighted a lot, you know, like, especially not in modern Mm -hmm. times. Whenever we hear about our authors, it's the James Baldwin or people who lived, you know, prior to today. We don't learn about anybody who is writing right now. And so being exposed to this genre of music, uh, not music, (laughs) um, books and having books like Children of Blood and Bone out there that just represent all of this African-centric, you know, thought and art. Mm-hmm. It's just beautiful. So, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see what all else is out there. That's awesome. And now You're going to have to send us, <laughs> send us that information for sure. You got me all interested yeah. now. Oh. <laughs> oh, I definitely will. I couldn't wait to have this conversation so I can recommend books. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to go to another commercial break. 
you guys can feel free to call in. We'll give you that number again. It is 917-889-8078. Listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. One in three adults in America have prediabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move is called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. Here's 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben has my mind. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Betty can't say that in reverse. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Having trouble finding Connor's middle school? Would you like directions? No, why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Finding lowest airfare to Istanbul. No, I'm, I'm tired of fighting with him over homework. Homewalk restaurant need a review? No, I need help. He's very smart, but his mind wanders. He's disorganized. I think I understand. Oh, good. Finding best potatoes for french fries. No! Russet, fingerling, Yukon gold. Why don't you understand me? Sorry, I was trying to show how Connor feels every day. Frustrating, isn't it? Redirecting to understood.org. For the one in five kids with learning and attention issues, this is what life can feel like. Explore understood.org, a free online resource about learning and attention issues designed to help your child thrive in school and in life. Understood.org, because understanding is everything. Brought to you by Understood.org and the Ad Council. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. 
We are a strong advocate for life empowerment, like empowering a generation that has been grossly misunderstood and disparaged to shatter the misconceptions about them. No Sleep was created to give millennials a platform to express themselves and let the world know who they really are and what they believe, their values, interests, fears, and more. This is a diverse group gender-wise and racially that we are very, very proud of. We invite you to tune in, whether you are a millennial or not, and learn from these outstanding young people. Listen every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 7 o'clock p.m. Central for No Sleep, Shattering Millennial Misconceptions. Welcome back, you guys. Um, We are wrapping up our conversation on millennials and reading. And this next question I wanted to throw out there was, where do you think reading will go from here? We've all talked a lot about our interests and some of the things that have impacted us in the past and the ways that we prefer to read our material, whether it's through listening to an audio book as for memoirs and things that, you know, we don't mind tuning out in the background for a little bit to having to have a physical copy of a book or even read a newspaper or a magazine. And so we know that those are the things that we like, but we haven't really talked a lot about our peers and how you think they are with reading. Do you guys know a lot of people who read, and where do you think reading is going to go with this generation? I mean, I hope people realize how important it is to read. Even, I mean, anything, like you said, Norvell, earlier, just training the mind and the mind is a muscle and you, I don't know, you just got to keep reading and not on a screen too because like you talked about, Chandrea, it, I mean, I feel like we don't know the side effects of that much reading and looking at screens all day yet, but I can't, I just don't think it'll be good. So I hope more people are reading. I know some of my friends do and my boyfriend does a lot. So I always try and continue to encourage them. Yeah, I hope it's it's going uh, in a, a brighter future. I think from my perspective, not a lot of people read. Um, I grew up with a saying, and this is another one of those things. I don't know where it came from. I don't know who kind of like coined it. I don't know where I heard it, but um, it's kind of a negative one too, that it's kind of like one of those birds I, I wanted to shatter, but uh, the saying goes, if you want to keep something from a black man, put it inside of a book. And uh, mm-hmm. it's one of those sayings that kind of like boils my blood because there is a lot of good knowledge inside of books. And, um, you know, in slavery times, we weren't allowed to read for that uh, very mm-hmm. reason, you know, just gaining that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I think now we have the freedom to, you know, take in as much knowledge as we can. And I, I think a lot of people don't take advantage of it. They either rather stay ignorant or, you know, focus on pleasure or, you know, social media and, like, reading cliff notes. And, you know, I feel like everything on social media is just regurgitated nonsense coming from somebody's, you know, mind. But, you know, a few of it is fact-based. So I hope 
that people start, you know, reading more because it is very, very important. And I think it's one of those things that, you know, if you're wise, it'll it'll be around years from now. But, you know, social media, I, I think this will be gone, you know. There will be something mm-hmm. new, you know, 10 years from now. And uh, there will be a lot of knowledge that's lost. So I hope it gets better for sure. Yeah, I agree with the both of you. I really do hope people decide to start, you know, and myself included, because I'm definitely guilty of preferring to be in somebody's comment section, minding their business, than (laughs) reading a book for myself. (laughs) But, you know, like you got to have a balance at least of having that influx of knowledge from good sources too, because you can't just read crap either. And so you want to make sure that people are encouraged to read and check the sources that they're reading and find things that inspire and move them because, you know, reading expands it's a muscle because it works our our brain muscle because it expands our imagination and it allows us to conceptualize things on different levels than we would have been just remaining within our own heads. And so it's important that we keep encouraging reading. I try to encourage my daughter to read all the time. And even if it's just a bedtime story that she reads with one of us, she still has to get her reading done every day. And one of the ways that she broke my heart was telling me that she hated reading one day. And my feelings were just (laughs) crushed. I was like, don't you ever say that about Richard? (laughs) (laughs) My heart was broken. But but I found interesting material for her to read, and I found out what she was into. And so it's all about, you know, catering to people's interests. And, like, mm-hmm. if I have friends that I know are into something, I'll be like, oh, I read a book about such and such. Or, like, whenever I'm going to a family function, I'll take a book with me so that people can ask what I'm reading and what I'm learning about, you know, just to get the idea, like, oh, well, she's reading. Let me let me get a book, you know, just trying to, you know, share that passion for reading. So I hope, like the two of you, that it continues to move forward. <laughs> Something Do you that, guys have any final thoughts? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, something that helped me incorporate more reading into my life was, because I was the same way, Shandrea, with, like, scrolling on my phone and just looking at nonsense. And um, so I started tracking my time on my phone. And I know, like, the new mm. iPhone, or I don't know how it is for Android, but there are apps out there that – track your time and what apps you're specifically using. So I set Mm -hmm. a limit on my phone for all social media to two hours a day. And it took Mm. a long time to get to that because I was not on my phone for only two hours a day like a year ago. So that helps me at least be like, okay, if I set this limit, then I can spend that time. I would be scrolling on something else. So that was something Mm -hmm. that helped me like, really see, okay, I can make time. I just have to take away the social media. Right. 
Yeah, I think what you, you spoke about balance helps too. I think balance is, is really, really important. You have to find something that you enjoy. Like for your daughter, Chandra, she has to find something that she enjoys reading. And she probably isn't aware mm-hmm. that there's something out there that she would really enjoy. I know it's like that for me. Like I get tired reading things, you know, from an educational standpoint all the time or like history books where it's just like a, a bunch of, you know, knowledge you're trying to pack in. But I'll sit down and watch, you know, Game of Thrones and be, you know, all in. But that's a mm-hmm. book as well. Like, I can just read the book, so I'm going to start, you know, uh, making an effort to find more fantasy books because I really enjoy, you know, like fantasy movies. I watched one, I just had a long flight from Detroit uh, yesterday, and I watched a couple of foreign movies that were based on uh, books, and I never would have thought. So I'm going to start, like, reaching out to find more books that, you know, are enjoyable to read versus, you know, kind of like educational books. I think that'll help me start reading more as well. Well, I will definitely send you my recommendations. <laughs> well, all right, Appreciate guys. It. This was a great talk. And we got we will catch you all next week when we discuss millennials and throwbacks. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All Have right. a good night. Good night. All right, peace.